right, everybody. Welcome to episode three of the Matter of Facts podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Alec Cranston. I work as a commercial agent in Cushman and Wakefield. You probably heard me say that a couple times. Uh, I'm here with James Collins, a colleague of mine who also works with Cushman and Wakefield. Apparently. Uh, apparently. So they claim. So they claim he does. Um, we're very excited to be here with you all uh, in the July edition. It is of, July uh, already. July. Um, Where has the year gone? Unbelievable. Uh, we just had Canada Day. That's that's amazing. How was your Canada Day? What my, you- my Canada Day was good. We normally, we take it pretty easy. So for context, my wife and I don't have children. So we normally take Canada Day as a true day off and, and just relax. This year, we did something a little bit different. We actually volunteered. I wrote to HRM three or four months ago, and I thought the McDonald Bridge wasn't looking as green as it normally did. Mm. So we offered on, on Canada Day to paint the bridge. And we actually rallied um, about 20 local residents and we repainted a large section of the McDonald Bridge. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, Alec doesn't believe me. Um, so that's what we did this year, and then we just kind of got hammered in the evening. What about you? Why didn't you ask me? To, I would have came. I would have came to that and helped you out with the McDonald Bridge. I know you're a big bridge guy. I definitely Big, big bridges. Yeah, mainly the McDonald. Yeah, so I did a similar thing. So um, I thought the wave, I mean, we've been filming our punk, filming, recording our podcast here for the last couple months, and I always look at the wave, kids playing on it, adults playing on it. It just didn't look blue enough. Uh, as I thought it should have been. So uh, I took it upon myself. I didn't even include Jenna. I just, you know, she didn't be put through that. Uh, but I spent the whole day painting the wave uh, just a shade darker blue. Look at it. Look, look, look. I can see the difference. Yeah. We, we do overlook it from the, the yeah. BNV Media Studios. Yep. And I uh, I ended up falling asleep on top of the wave. Um, I got woken up by the fireworks and fell off the back end of it. But uh, as far as Canada Days go for me in, in the rankings, I mean, it's up there. It was not my best Canada Day. But there's a sign on it that says, do not, doesn't it tell you not to climb on that thing? I crawled. I, crawled. I mean, they do tell people not to step on the black rocks at Peggy's Cove and yeah, people they, don't listen. They, they still do that. They do not listen. But yeah, the way, I mean, look at the kids down there right now climbing up that. So that was me on Canada Day. What did you do in the evening? In the evening, well, like I said, I actually passed out, not, not from, uh, you know, any sort of beverage. I just fell asleep on top of the wave. I uh, was woken up by the fireworks, and then uh, I just scrambled around downtown trying to find my friends and find Jenna. Uh, they were actually out on the harbor hopper for an evening cruise. Um, so oh, I, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I had to flag down the harbor. It was quite a quite a night for me for Canada Day. Like, you know, it's uh, I'm looking already looking forward to next Canada Day. I think I'm going to um, paint some, uh, the submarine, the new submarine um, playground instead of the wave. Okay. Um, fun fact: the submarine which is used to be a, like a ship made of wood when I was a kid, uh, was recently, I don't know if it was recently, but it was featured on an episode of The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. Good show. Never really watched it. No, me either. Okay, should we admit to our BS? <laughs> oh, you want to do that? Okay. Well, yeah, anyway, so uh, it's, what's today? June 28th. It's the June 27th. Canada Day hasn't happened. Believe it or not, we actually record this thing about 10 days before it gets published. Yeah. So Canada Day hasn't happened. Yeah. But if, if you want to arrange anybody... You know, for next year, painting either the McDonald yeah. Bridge or the Wave, just get in touch with us. Uh, uh, HalifaxPodcast at gmail.com. And, yeah. and uh, BMV Media have already pledged to support the initiative. Yep. They're a gold um, we'll sponsor. Join- yeah, yeah, they are gold yeah. sponsors, so uh, they'll be joining us. Yeah, very much looking forward to that. Well, anyway, that- on to the, the serious side of the podcast. Mm. The You know, we should be taking this seriously. Time is money, right? Yeah. As they say. Yep, yep. What have we got coming up? We're going to be featuring our normal little segments. We're going to dive into some of the crazy and absurd stuff happening around our city. But as normal, we like to get sensible. We have a guest. Tell us more, Mr. Cranston. Thank you. We have a guest today, a very special guest, Laura McKenzie, the executive director of Screen Nova Scotia. Uh, she's going to be here to talk to us about the film industry in Nova Scotia, where it's at, where it's going, and a few recent announcements uh, revolving around the film fund cap being increased from $4 million to $10 million. So she's going to explain to us what that means and how that's going to affect uh, the film industry in Nova Scotia, uh, as well as a few other funds that were recently approved by the province uh, towards the film industry. So we're going to we're going to pick her brain on that, ask her a couple questions just about uh, Nova Scotia film in general, and uh, we're looking forward to just chatting with her. She should be here soon. But yeah. uh, but before she gets here, that we, crane is it still we insane? We need to get insane. Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane. Insane is the crane. I'm getting a lot of mileage out of that $5 I paid to get that done. I do find it sounds a bit like you towards the end there, so I thought you actually had made it. But that was stuck in my head all day. 
It is insane as the crane, where we talk about something that's insane going around the city. And I will admit, since we started the podcast, we've not had a ton of really insane things happen. There's been no nudity worth mentioning. There's been no political scandals that we need to to really dwell on. But we're trying to choose things as insane as we can. And and this month, we're going to be talking about parking, because Mm. it's something that, uh, that affects us all. It's the one crime that we've all committed. When people say, do you have a criminal record? We all laugh and say, oh no, apart from a couple of parking tickets. So that's quite a, quite a good Nova Scotia accent there, wasn't yeah, it? That was the very break? good. You've done a good job. Yeah, and, and I want Alec and to give me his opinion. I've got some opinions too, but you probably heard that between June and September, people that make a $35 purchase at a Halifax Business Improvement District area business and get a parking ticket can apply for a rebate of the fine if they spend 35 bucks. It's interesting. It looks good on paper. It looks good on paper. Unlike a parking ticket on paper, which unlike a, sucks. Yeah, and I will say I haven't gotten one of those in a while. You are a liar. I know. I'm pretty good with the hotspot paying that. But yeah, anyway, it's interesting. It looks good on paper. Um, I just feel like there's a lot, like, you know, the headache to actually go through the process of getting that done. I'm, I'm handing Alec a list of, this is from the HRM website, a list of the mm, rules. He printed it off. That you must abide by in order to get the rebate. There are, it's probably 10 or maybe tell us a bit about like, okay, so I, I go shopping and I spend my 35 bucks and I come back and holy S, there's a nice little sticky white slip there on my wiper blade. Okay, yeah. I would like to get the rebate. What do I need to do? Oh, there's a few things here, man. I didn't even I didn't even know the extent of this. So it has to be issued a ticket issued from a pay station violation. So no, like the no stopping zones, no towways. I've got them no before parking. for being parked too far from the curb. I for imagine example. you that doesn't surprise me. It just um, has to be a local business. That part makes sense. Minimum thirty five dollars before taxes. Uh, multiple receipts combined together. Total thirty-five. You can't go. <laughs> you can't combine them. You can't go and buy, you know, six beers and oh, six beers. That will yeah. cost you thirty-five bucks. That will cost you. Know no, beers. I don't know how much beer costs these days. <laughs> uh, receipts must show the name and address of the business, the date, and the dollar amount. Oh, it just goes on. Bank st- statements not accepted. Private parking garages. You know, we avoid those anyway. I'm not going to say why, but I. I have someone in the family who doesn't do well in parking garages. Um, motorists must <laughs> Yeah, have for context there, certain someone in Alex's life, uh, the car made friends with a post. Nice big post in a yeah. parking garage on a Sunday afternoon. Anyways, getting that fixed in about a month. Um, will not be applied retroactively either. Yeah, it, it, like you said, it looks great on paper, but I think the headache of actually going through the application to get it reimbursed and as that gets dragged on, it's almost like, man, I just, I'll just pay the ticket at that point. It's just a, a pain in the, pain in the butt, pain in the ass, right? So, uh, what, 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 I mean, what are your thoughts? I mean, do you park, do you park underground, or you park on the streets when you come to Halifax? I bring my helicopter. Mm. No, I do park everywhere. I'm, I'm, mm. I'm holistic. I can be in an underground lot one day or multi-story. But my opinion is, yes, it looks good on paper, but we should just make parking free between June and September, rather than have a clunky government process that that reverses a punishment that initially is negative. Why didn't the city say, look, because this is all done to stimulate growth for downtown businesses after the pandemic. If Mm. I take this piece of paper back, I think it was initiated by, um, what is the name of the folks? They have got a name, whatever it was. Oh, there we go. HRM Support Business Recovery Program. Why not say, hey, residents of HRM, we are going to make parking free between the months of June and September. We're also going to make ferries and buses free on the weekend. The other thing I don't like about this is it only is an incentive for people who can afford to run a car, mm-hmm. afford to drive a car into the city, afford to pay for parking, and afford $35 of stuff. And with the cost of living doing what it is, the, num- the pool of people eligible are getting smaller. I know people our age who've sold their vehicles in Halifax. They've yeah. actually said taking Uber is going to be cheaper. Uber. For Uber, Uber, for the number of times they use their car. What are you laughing at? Keep going. Okay, tell me when the mics are off. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be cheaper. So this, to me, is an incentive that only is, a, is, is available to the privileged in society. Mm. There is also a clunky cost to ad- administering the tickets, to then having somebody at the city undo the tickets. I don't know. To me, I would rather it flips and just becomes a positive spin on parking is free on Saturdays, ferries and buses are free, 
Yep. Let's all come back downtown. Nope. I and I, I 100% agree with that. And you know, the due diligence is going to need to be involved to make sure that somebody's not trying to cheat the system. Uh, I hate to say this, but I did kind of think about ways that the system could be cheated. Not that I'm going to do that, um, but you know, who's to say that I don't get a parking ticket? And you know, I know a bunch of guys that work downtown and you know shop around all the time and say, "Hey, any chance you went out for?" Hey, there, Johnny, can you go into the system and pull this ticket, please? I think you're worth your while. All right. There we go. No, exactly. That's what I mean. I I wasn't thinking that, actually. You took it in a different direction. I was thinking more so, hey, James, any chance you went out for lunch today? Any chance you bought uh, something? Sorry, my head defaulted to bribing the city somehow. No, it's interesting how that's the direction he went. um, Matter of facts does not condone corruption at any level of government, just to make that clear. That's that's matter of facts, though. As individuals, we can't answer that right now. We can't tell you. So you're saying that I would go for lunch and I would would give you my receipt. receipt. To say you ate, and I was just like, yeah, I got a parking ticket. Like if, if we coordinated and you said, yeah, I don't have my car today, but I'm going for lunch. I know you have a bunch of showings downtown Halifax. Here's my receipt, um, you know, for the freak lunchbox or wherever you go to eat. Um, I, that's kind of a way I look at cheating the system. But I would never do that. And I don't know. I think it's going to cause more headaches. It's only three months, though, right? It is. Well, there's months. another complication here, Alec, and I want your opinion on this, that the city announced at the beginning of June, uh, council actually voted 15 to 2 in favor of raising parking fines by 10 bucks. So to they, 35. To 35. So mm. they're now going to be, sorry, from 35, 30 if paid within a week, to 45 or 40 if paid in a week. Now, what do you think of that? Uh, I just want to quote, I'm not going to say the councillor's name because we're not here to um, uh, yet to get too contentious, but, but one of the councillors that spoke to the media said, parking downtown is easy. Parking downtown is relatively cheap. It only costs a couple of bucks. I wouldn't say parking downtown is easy. No, it's difficult. I guess it depends on the driver too, because you can find some spots. The thing, I think there's a bit of a, I shouldn't say a misconception, but there is a lot of parking. Like, you know, every street parking now is paid. Used to be two-hour parking. Now you have to do the hotspot or pay the thing. But there's a lot of parking garages downtown that you can you can weasel your way into. I think at the Doyle, it's only two bucks an hour to it go is, there. Yeah, and they cap it at 10. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's not bad compared to what I do pay sometimes on the street with the hotspot parking, which is impossible to find. Um, so I think there is more parking readily available than than uh, one thinks. But like I said, we actively avoid the parking garages. So um, that was a good, uh, insane topic. I it mean, was. Not necessarily we'll see what happens. Crazy insane. But our guest is here, our uh, special guest. So we're going to bring her on in just a moment. All right, everybody. We're here with our guest, uh, special guest today, Laura McKenzie, the executive director of Screen Nova Scotia. Laura, thank you for coming on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's really nice to be back here. Awesome. There's been a few recent announcements for the film industry uh, lately from the province, so we thought it'd be great to get Laura on here to kind of explain what those mean for the film industry and, and for Nova Scotia as a whole mm-hmm. uh, going forward. So I guess my, my first question starting out, just for the viewers who you know may not know, or listeners, I should say, and ourselves, what is the role of Screen Nova Scotia in the province's film industry overall? What's their main role? Well... It continues to evolve, as we now understand. Um, it, I feel like it's constantly changing, but um, but uh, Screen Nova Scotia really rose out of the ashes of film and creative industries Nova Scotia when it was shattered back in 2015 when the Liberals cancelled the tax credit. Right. And so at that time, Screen Nova Scotia was an association, it was a producer's association. Um, and so what really happened at that time, the, you know, the whole industry came together under the banner of Screen Nova Scotia, um, you know, so that we would have you know, one body, you know, to one, one voice. And, uh, in the next year or two, it really started to sort of take the shape that it has right now, which is, you know, industry, a member driven industry association and a film commission. And so today now Screen Nova Scotia is in, you know, absolute, uh, full blown, you know, Association of Film Commission International recognized film commission um, and our responsibilities are, you know, I, I'd say first and foremost, you know, just making sure that uh, we're working with all of our stakeholders and uh, partners and government in Nova Scotia to ensure that the industry has all the tools and resources it needs to, you know, to grow yep. uh, and rebuild. Yep. Um, and uh, and so that's a big part of the work that I do. And, uh, you know, and but ultimately, you know, we are, as I say, a film commission. So we're responsible for attracting production to Nova Scotia. So we go out and we meet with 
um, you know, potential partners, studios in Los Angeles. We meet with production companies that have interest in working in Nova Scotia. And we um, do everything that we can to, you know, persuade them that Nova Scotia is the right place to film their, their production. And so that's just, you know, sort of one side of it. On the other side, we're, you know, we're industry services and industry in talent development. So we do all kinds of different programs that are, um, you know, intended to grow our industry. So we have, you know, diversity internship programs where we take, um, you know, equity seeking uh, individuals and we put them on film sets for four weeks, professional film sets uh, under, you know, a, a mentor. And we have writers internship program where we take, you know, writers and we send them off into Los Angeles writers room for two weeks. What an uh, opportunity that is. Wow. wow. It's like their dream, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. 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 No, this is this is a really exciting program, has been really exciting and really successful for a lot of people. So, you know, I would say without going into, you know, the full suite of programs that we have, um, we do a lot and it's um, and it is we are flexible and we are nimble and we respond to industry needs. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of May, and this is kind of what led me to want to talk about this on the podcast mm-hmm. with you, the province increased the film fund cap from $4 million to $10 million. Can you explain what this means for Nova Scotia, for the film industry, and how this will contribute to attracting these larger productions and creating more jobs for Nova Scotians on film sets? For sure. Um, I mean, I think it's most important to know that, you know, when it comes to attracting a production to Nova Scotia, uh, we have to be, com- you know, we have to be competitive. So for the most part, productions are going to come here if they need a lighthouse. You know, they will make sacrifices if they need a lighthouse, but they're not going to make a sacrifice just to come to Nova Scotia if they can find that location in a more competitive jurisdiction. And so when you think about competition, um, when, when we when we talk about competition in the film industry, it comes down to the budget, it comes down to the bottom line. You know, across Canada, every province has, uh, you know, an incentive, a, pro- a provincial tax credit as well as a, we have a federal tax credit. And so we have to be able to be competitive. So when the incentive fund was uh, put in place after the tax credit was canceled, it came along with a $4 million per project cap. So if a project is coming into Nova Scotia, they want to access our incentive fund. They want to maximize what they can pull, the value that they can pull out of that incentive fund because, you know, really that's what they're doing. They're looking at all the other jurisdictions and saying, where can I... Um, get the greatest value out of my production budget in Canada. So they look at Nova Scotia and then they go, oh, well, you know, maybe we'll get, you know, maybe we'll get 30% uh, back out of the incentive fund, but we can only apply to the incentive fund for $4 million. So they pull out and they go somewhere else where they can bring their their full production, their full production budget and access that 30% somewhere else. So what this does is it allows pr- productions that have budgets that are at that at a level at which they would need to access more than $4 million to come here. Otherwise, right. they wouldn't come here. I, it's, that's, that's it's a little bit in the weeds, but it's, um, it's actually a really big deal. Yeah. Because what it means now is that those larger productions from those larger studios who n- wouldn't necessarily have looked our way, um, you know, we can start to get on their radar and start to, they can start to consider Nova Scotia as a location in a, in a real way. And maybe do a majority of their filming here, like if they're in a, in a production and rather than just doing a little piece here and then they have to leave, they can do a big chunk of their film here. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So this terrific. is a, it's a real boon for the industry. It's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we've spoken about bringing people to Nova Scotia. So when a, when a production lands here, how does the local community and the local workforce get involved and integrated? So by that I'm talking about what, what opportunities and, and even what regulations and rules are in place about using a local workforce. Is there anything like that to make sure that um, we benefit too? Yes, of course. Yeah. Um, so in the in the incentive fund, um, there is, um, you know, part of the incentive fund is that you have you have to you have to use Nova Scotia crew. So this is our Nova Scotia incentive fund is based on Nova Scotia eligible costs. So you can't bring in workforce from outside and access the incentive on those people. So so every production that comes to Nova Scotia is automatically incentivized to, to use Nova Scotia labor and to build Nova Scotia labor. So, you know, at the so when a when a production uh, wants to come to Nova Scotia, and we're talking about service production here, not locally, domestically, cre- you know, created IP, but you know, service productions. They will connect with a service producer or a line producer or a production manager, and they will hire that individual to help them put together their crew on the ground. 
because most of the production, well, all of the production managers have, you know, loyalty within the crews and they know everybody on the ground and they're always keeping their eye out to, you know, who are the new up and coming emergent people working in the industry. Um, and so it's their responsibility to, to use that network to put together the crew for the production when it comes in. And um, yeah, so uh, and then of course we have unions and guilds, mm-hmm. and so a lot of most of these shows um, have to adhere to the union guild policies. Um, therefore, they can't just go out and hire whoever they want to have to hire people that are inside the union, yep. which means they're going to get you know highly skilled, well paid workers on their yep. set. And it's great because we have a lot of they you know all these productions draw their background and casting from here too. I know I subscribe to probably several background casting lists just to yeah. see what comes out. And the majority of background you see in these <laughs> movies are all from Halifax, from Nova Scotia, from Shelburne, from wherever it's being filmed, uh, which is just terrific. And they cast sometimes principal roles here, too, mm-hmm. which is uh, just a testament to the talent we actually do have here as well, which is great. So before the uh, the film fund cap was announced, back in March, uh, there was an announcement that the province, and these numbers might not be 100% accurate, uh, the province invested $8 million towards a new soundstage, as well as $15 million for a new Nova Scotia content creator fund. So I sort of kind of understand, but most may not, and I don't fully understand. What does this mean, and, and how does this benefit local television and, and film productions in our province? Certainly. Uh, what a great announcement. You know, awesome. totally. yeah, I think that was uh, that was the day that um, everybody in the film industry in Nova Scotia took a big sigh of relief and said, OK, we can we can we can turn our focus back to working now. You know, um, there had been so much tension in the industry and mistrust. So I think that was it was a really good day for us. Um, and so really what it means is when you think about, you know, again, being competitive, there's 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 four pillars, as they call them in the film industry. You need an incentive, you need a soundstage, you need a strong workforce, and you need the locations. And these are the four pieces that, uh, you know, a, a production is going to look at when they're looking at any any location. And so a soundstage obviously is a big missing piece. It's a big gap in mm-hmm. our ability to attract productions because we go out, we sit down with them, they say, tell us about your incentives, tell us about your soundstage, you know, carry on. So uh, we haven't been able to say since Electropolis was taken was re- taken back by Amera Power that owned the building and, you know, converted from a soundstage into their current Nova Scotia Power building. Um, we lost our soundstage. And then, of course, our ability to go out and say, yes, we have this very important critical piece of infrastructure required for production. Um, and so, you know, the ability to now put that back in place and put it in place in a way in which it will be sustainable for the industry. Um, and we can, you know, we can uh, manage the ownership piece in a way where we can subsidize local production with, you know, the bigger budget productions that are coming in and we can make it accessible to everybody yep. is uh, is going to is going to really, you know, help help its um, success. It's going to, you know, uh, help us make it the yep. uh, it come to maturity uh, and in, in a sustainable way more quickly. Yeah, definitely. So. That's wonderful. So we've just hired a new senior director for the soundstage manager, our soundstage project, and that's Gord Whitaker, and he's in in my office now, and he is working away on uh, figuring out what this project is going to be and who it's going to be for and what's the vision. That's terrific. Yeah, so it's all happening right now. And then, uh, you know, of course, the Content Creator Fund, um, to much less fanfare, back in 2015 when Film and Creative Industries was shuttered um, uh, away with the the tax credit incentive fund also went the equity fund. And the equity fund is basically just uh, a provincial investment in each project to close the financing because closing financing on feature films, uh, which uh, are sort of the crucial um, type of project that helps bring new people into the industry. So most people that get involved in the film industry, you know, myself included, you know, you go work on your friend's project and then you kind of fall into it. Um, And this is what, this is what happens. So those projects have really fallen away. And we've seen the balance of projects in Nova Scotia really shift from uh, what used to be, you know, heavy, uh, heavy hitting feature film, like scripted feature films getting made and scripted television series really moving into a more factual um, environment because the the system as it was recreated in 2015 is really tailored towards supporting that type of production, which is great. All types of productions are really important and they're all, you know, there's economic impact from all of them. But the ecosystem is off balance when you shift it that way. So, yeah. uh, you know, we can't build our crew as quickly as if we were, you know, really putting that financing into feature films. So this content creator fund is going to give us $3 million per year for five years to inject um, that 20%, that extra sort of between, you know, 5 and 
into projects that need it to get to close their financing. And these are Nova Scotia owned in controlled IP projects. So it's um, it's a very, very big deal for those projects. It's incredible. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, we're going to see the industry grow. Um, Many lay people, in my opinion, myself included, don't really understand the industry. My interaction with the film industry in Nova Scotia, to be honest, has been, oh, I can't use that parking lot today because it's full of trucks. It's happened to me multiple times. Or this street is closed. Or I'd like to get there, but there's a, there's a, the street's blocked or there's a huge crowd of curious bystanders. So how or, or what is going to be done to integrate and educate the local communities? And how do productions work to cut down and minimize that disruption uh, to, to locals going about their days? Yeah, well, I mean, it really is the it really is the production's job, um, and you know, so when a production comes into town, they have location managers, and those location managers, are the ones that work with um, the individual uh, jurisdiction, whether it's Halifax or Lunenburg or wherever, to get the permitting to to do that, to go into communities and use you know use the public community space. So you know, typically when productions go into these communities, they will work with the mayor's office or, you know, town hall or city council, whoever it is to help spread the news in that particular community that this production is coming in. This is what they're doing. This is how long they're going to be there. Um, this is the impact they can um, expect. And there should be an opportunity, of course, for reciprocal feedback um, in, at any given time. So oftentimes there's negotiations going on and that sort of thing. So And are people broadly in support in terms of the general public? I'd, yeah. I know I would be. I'd like to think they are. We get the disruption. But I know that yeah. actually that's another question for you. And I suppose I'll ask it directly is, is what are the wider economic benefits to the city and the province for uh, having a growing film industry? The uh, the best part of, you know, the, the, all of this new funding and all of this um, support from the government coming in is that we finally are now working with a government that re- really does understand the return on the investment um, from the film industry. So, you know, these productions come in, you know, they're bringing their, you know, as it is right now, they're bringing their $40 million, $50 million production budgets, and they're coming and they're setting up shop for six months in a community in which they are going to hire all the crew they are going to, um, you know, include all of the cater. They have to feed all of these individuals all day long. So that's catering all day long, you know, five days a week. You know, for the most part, it's seven days a week. And then they have to, you know, put these people up in communities. They have to hire all of their goods to build, or sorry, buy all of, purchase all of their their building supplies to build these exterior sets. Um, anything, you know, I, I think I said this before, and you know, I might be repeating myself, but I think it's a really good um, visual. It takes a small city to build a film set. So if you think about the people that are involved, you know, you've got carpentry, you've got builders, you've got set design, you've got architects, you've got, you know, accountants, you've got lawyers, you've got drivers, you've got uh, accommodations, hotel, like basically every sort of group, individual community member that it takes to build a city, it takes to build a set. So um, so that's kind of the, how the group comes together and, you know, and, and everything that they're using to, to make the film set work. Um, but, you know, broader than that and more important than that is what it does for the province's tax base, right? So the more people we're hiring, the more jobs we're creating, the more we're expanding the province's tax base, and the more that money can be funneled into new roads and hospitals and, you know, schools, everything we need. Yeah. So I think, you know, uh, it's it's great that, that those money, those monies, those, you know, the financing is being injected directly into the small communities and the small businesses in these communities, but it's also just it serves a greater purposes in terms of immigration and bringing new yeah. jobs. It's great that people mm-hmm. and the, the population and the government are seeing these effects and understanding like how big of a deal it is to, to promote film and TV in Nova Scotia. So one of the question I have, which actually kind of piggybacks off what you said about the big production budgets coming in, the big set pieces and, uh, you know, long shoot days and all the different moving pieces. But w- with these big productions, does come big talent sometimes you know in the past decade or so we've had some pretty big name actors and actresses from hollywood that have come here to film just to name a few willem dafoe robert pattinson sarah paulson sigourney weaver sam elliott that's just to name a few there are, there are many others that come here i think ethan hawk has a cottage in chester or something like that um, and they all talk very positively about nova scotia when they leave um, you know about their experience not just with the production itself but our landscapes and you know, their whole, the, how we welcome them and whatnot. I guess I'm kind of answering the question a little bit, in my opinion. 
Um, but what do you think it is that leaves that lasting impact on these major stars who travel globally to film? And I know when they join a production, they sign on, they probably don't really have a choice in where it's filmed. They, they choose the production, they're part of it. They go where they need to go. But they come back, and they come back not just to film, but they, like I said, you know, a guy like Ethan Hawke buys a cottage here, and um, some of them come play golf in Cape Breton. Like they, they keep coming back. So what do you think it is that brings these big-name stars back to such a tiny spot as Nova Scotia, uh, not just to film, but but to enjoy the province. Well, well, I mean, I I'm a Haligonian myself, so yeah. I you know I, I sort you're of allowed go, to be biased on this podcast. It's good, <laughs> <laughs> Emb- embrace yeah. it. Yeah. So you know, to me, it's just sort of you know, it's auto, the response is automatic. It's why wouldn't they want to be here? You know, I mean, this is one of the greatest places in the world to be in the summer, of course. And so this is, you know, if you had to choose between going to Toronto or going to Vancouver or going, you know, staying in Los Angeles um, or going to New York in, you know, obviously these incredibly busy cities where they live and work most of the time, what a reprieve, right? So they get to come here and they get, you know, their cottage on the lake or on the, on the ocean down on the South shore that they're going to stay in for, you know, four or five months. What a dream. They bring their families, they hang out, they eat lobster, they, you know, enjoy the local restaurants and cuisine and take in Nova Scotia culture and go for little visits, road trips around the province. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, it's one of the greatest marketing tools we could have. Yeah. And then at some point, Reddit finds out they're here. And oh, yeah. the internet blows up. And oh, I yeah. like actually all of the misfires. Have you seen those over the years? Remember Vin Diesel? That he, oh, they thought Vin, he was Vin Diesel was driving around in a limo downtown last year, according to Reddit. I remember that, I remember that. And it was just some guy who owned a limo. Family. Yeah, exactly. It's all about family. How political is the industry? Because, again, looking, I'm looking at this as a layperson. When we talk about the film industry, we talk about the liberals and, and the cancelling of the tax credit a couple of years ago. Politics obviously plays a major role, but like, is it is it an amicable relationship between the film industry and provincial politics or, or not? Well, not always. Not always. I mean, you know, when the liberal government shut down the film industry, we weren't, we weren't thrilled. Um, you know, I think that was pretty clear. And and the reason it is political is because the industry is complex in its nature and how it is how it needs to be supported is complex. And not everybody gets it. And so oftentimes when there are, te- you know, lots of people, lots of, you know, individuals, public, private, don't like tax credits. They don't like the idea of tax credits because it's, you know, it's public funding. So if they don't understand the return on the investment and how that money is, you know, first injected into, you know, small businesses and payroll and then also expanding the province's tax base, they don't understand that the return on the investment is actually greater than the spend itself. And so, yes, it is political because you have to have a government, you know, an elected official in your corner because they get it. Otherwise, if they don't truly get it, then, you know, you'll start to see some dissolution in industry if they're not supportive of it. Um, I, you know, I, I think I think the math is pretty easy. You have $40 million in foreign direct investment coming into the province, and out of that, they're going to take 30%. Um, they're, and the province is going to pay for 30% of that. That seems like good math to me. So, yep. um, but oftentimes it can be convoluted in the right, you know, putting together financing uh, mm-hmm. scenarios for these productions is really complicated. So it, I just think... For me, as the industry advocate, it's really important that I'm constantly communicating this message and making sure that it is very clear why this is an important industry, why the econ- you know where the economic benefit is and how the province is benefiting from it. So yes. Yeah, well, that's good. This has been been very productive, and for someone like me who doesn't know much about the industry to to get clued up, I think mm-hmm. Alec has the golden final question. I do. Yeah. The final question, we're thinking caps on for this one. There's been a lot of film and TV over the past many years, and I, I humble brag, I was a part of that when I was a young child, as a, as a child actor. I was, uh, I actually had my own IMDb page, believe it or not. I was Captain. I have found it. Yeah, I was Captain number one in Mr. D. What a role. That's my star role, Captain number one. <laughs> no, the, the success of this podcast is only down to the fact you I'd can, love to know you what can ride to on that all those years. How long ago was that? <laughs> That was in 20, oh, geez, that would have been 20, first season of Mr. D. That was season one, episode five or six. Uh, you have yeah. a little high voice? That was me. You can look, I'm, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a captain of a basketball team, picking teams. Um, I think 
I'd like to know what happened to Captain Number Two because there was two of us. Oh, they went to Hollywood. Yeah. Well, actually, a, the chair of my board of directors, Mike Volpe, is the producer on that show, so we could just. I've call met. Him. I've met Mike. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so my main question is, and that kind of goes back to what's been filmed here is. I'll go, to, I'll go to Laura, and I'll, I'm going to ask you as well. You might not know. I'm not going to have a clue. I'll make an answer up. So we'll, we'll go to the expert who is Laura, and then we'll come to me. Laura, what would you say your favorite movie or TV show of all time was that was filmed in Nova Scotia? I know that's tough. That is the worst question. <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough question. One of your favorites, maybe a, a couple that you really like, or maybe yeah. memories. Um, I was a huge fan of Mr. D. Yep. Um, I was a huge fan of Trailer Park Boys back in the day. Yep. Um, you know, anything that's really kind of showcasing Nova Scotia culture. Um, but as of late, there have been a couple of feature films that have come out in the last couple of years that um, I'm I'm really proud of our community for. Yeah. Uh, so Don, Her Dad, and the Tractor is one of them. Wildhood is another one. These both, you know, hit the box office in the yeah. last, you know, few months. And they're just really good films. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. What were they called again, sorry? Wildhood. And Don, Her Dad, and the Tractor. So those are my two favorite two. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on. There you go. Oh, and the other two were, were Mr. D and Trailer Park Boys back in the day. Yeah, those are good ones. Um, I'd say for me, uh, Willem Dafoe, Robert Pattinson, The Lighthouse was one of my favorite movies, and that was filmed in it was in the South Shore, I believe. That's where they filmed it. But that movie generated Oscar buzz, I think, which I found very cool to know that a. a and the, the, it was all filmed in like one one particular area where they had the lighthouse. That was the name of the movie, and it was a very it was all the movie was all black and white, and the the cinematography was just incredible. And just knowing when I was in theaters watching that, I was in a packed theater at Park Lane watching it, knowing that it was filmed here. And Willem Dafoe actually came and watched it opening night um, at Park Lane. And funny story, he went to Pizza Corner after the movie. And, like, nobody recognized him. He just grabbed a slice and started walking down the street until, like, my mom's friend saw him or something like that. But I'd say The Lighthouse. Uh, I love Mr. D. There's a lot of, like, really viral clips I've seen online that come from Mr. D. So I, I love that show. And uh, November Christmas. It's a shameless plug. Movie I was in. Uh, uh, who's in it? John Corbett, Sarah Paulson, Sam Elliott. Uh, and Alec Cranston. Uh, yeah. I was a paper boy, newspaper boy in that one. So that's a good one. <laughs> Check that one out. Good Christmas movie. Happy, sad. But yeah, then there's more to come, I think. And then with the with the film fund cap being increased and even more product, big productions being attracted to here. And, and again, like I mentioned about the famous actors and actresses who speak so highly, I think I saw a video and it might have been Screen Nova Scotia where Willem Dafoe was part of it. And I just found that to be so cool. And that was like a month after he played the Green Goblin in Spider-Man. So it was a big geek moment for me. You're not a geek. <laughs> I'm a big time geek. Well, that was a great discussion. Yeah, that was terrific. Uh, it's It's... Like I, like I was saying to James before, I know a bit about the film industry, but I felt like I learned a lot today that I, you know, the, the intricacies of it. And really appreciate having you on today, Laura, to answer our questions and to uh, give us this information. It was really good. Yeah, no, it's my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'd come back and talk about it anytime. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you to Laura McKenzie, Executive Director of Screen Nova Scotia, for coming on the podcast today for Episode 3. That was terrific. Uh, learned quite a bit, wouldn't you say? Me Jam- too. Jameson? Yeah, yeah. And Alec has a background in integration in that world. I have none beyond appearing on CCTV cameras when I go into the grocery store. Hmm. So uh, unless someone's secretly filming me. So that was very informative, and I hope everyone out there learned a lot as well. Yeah, that was terrific. Um, We're going to hop into our next segment here, New Kids on the Block. Oh, I'm pleased you said baby there, because those sounds could have suggested something else. Well, kind of linked in with what we just talked about. LinkedIn? LinkedIn. 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 Um, with, LinkedIn. What we, <laughs> <laughs> with what we... With what we... Actually, I'll tell you really funny is, is I have LinkedIn Premium. Of course uh, you do. Which means you can, you can track so many metrics about people that mm. visit you. And there are certain people out there who view my profile multiple times a week and knock up like 25 minutes a week scrolling my profile. You know who you are and now you know that I know you do it. Well, now you so, know that I do it. I'm sorry that you had to find not, You're not one of them. No. So 
All right, new kids on the block. James, take it away. Well, we are kind of jumping back into the film and television industry because this month we are going to be talking about Scotia Speed World. They made an announcement recently that they're going to be hosting the largest drive-in east of Montreal beginning June 17th, so that's actually running right now. It's a, um, pr- a, a partnership between Scotia Speed World and Cinecom Cinema Services, Inc. It's going to be a beautifully big drive-in and what I like about this is it's going to be a drive-in theater that actually features movies of right now for example their debut Mm. is Top Gun Maverick Mm -hmm. because a lot of the drive-in theaters that we have across Canada or a lot of the pop-up theaters that we see sorry are kind of more nostalgic I joke every time they do one they just play Shrek and Honey I Shrunk the Audience so it is nice to see of drive-in movie theater that's actually hosting the movies of the moment that families can go to, dare I say this, in a country that typically doesn't like competition and favors monopolies, that people might want to go somewhere else apart from Cineplex every now and then. Mm, and I will say I'm a huge movie buff, but I do, I do love going to Cineplex. I don't know if I'm a, and this is not a knock against this new drive-in theater. I don't know if I'm a big drive-in theater guy. I like, I'm, I'm an old school original. I like to go into the movie theater, get my popcorn, Colonel Colonel get my drink, take a seat, and watch the movie in the dark of the theater. That sounds A little creepy. bit of canoodling little in the back <laughs> row. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm go by myself, right? And uh, <laughs> I, I, means that, that means something else. No, I mean, I actually did go to a movie by myself. I don't want to get into that. It's, a, no, not, it's not even a pity thing. I went to a movie by myself because everyone I knew had COVID, and I didn't have COVID. Hang on, it's because everybody you invited you said didn't no. want to go. Everyone had COVID, and I was... I, my fear was that I wouldn't go see the movie and I'd get a spoiler for it. So I went to see it and I saw That's it. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. So you do what you got to do. But yeah, no, I, I'm, uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not a huge, huge fan, but I do think this is pretty cool if it's the biggest one east of Montreal. I mean, it's big. 600 cars. 600 cars. cars. The screen is 40 by 60 feet. That's above um, average. It is way above the average size out there in Canada. And they are also telling us and promising us that it will not impact the 2022 racing season. Okay. That's good. I mean, I'm not a big uh, big race guy either, but that that is cool. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna it's not gonna it's not gonna impact the racing season that oh, I've no. never been a part of. Oh, thank God, yeah. James! I'm so glad it uh, doesn't. <laughs> that was my worry, wasn't season. it? When I heard this too, I was like, "Damn, it's gonna impact my racing." Oh schedule. no! I'm not, what am I gonna do when I? I just go to the 101 to watch racing. Don't you just hang around on any of the provincial highways? Oh, I just go to Lower Sackville. <laughs> Watch some burnout there. I actually, well, that was a really good impression. Go back. And you can do that again in 20 seconds because I once I once got food poisoning at Speedway in the UK, which produced a lot of sounds that sounded like. Yeah. And I was stuck in stuck in the bathroom for a week. And uh, me, my friend and I went to a burger stand. I grew up in Wales and, and we're as... Apparently, people know how to cook in Wales. I went uh, to, with my friends to the Speedway, and we went to get a burger, and we literally looked. The tray that they were taking the meat from, cooking the meat, putting it back on, they had chicken stored above it that was dripping onto the burgers, uncooked chicken. My friend and I had a burger. I went home, and I was a kid. I said, hey, Mom. I suddenly had a Canadian accent. Hey, Mom, I eat this burger. That's how we sound like. Yeah, and lo and behold, my friend and I got got sick. So my mother calls up my friend Mike I went with, or his mother, and says, hey, is uh, Mike got the shits? Because James has, and he did too. So that's my only interaction with Speedway in my life has been food poisoning. I'm sorry you had such a bag. I've never been to, I don't think I've ever been to a Speedway. No. Go-karting, that's the closest I've ever been. Did you see somebody (laughs) got a stunting charge in Burnside for doing 170 kilometers? Wow. This was about two weeks ago, and I don't you know. You were really in a rush to get I was listings. in a real rush You're that day, yeah. I, I always talk about uh, I have European feet when I drive mm. because everyone drives like a maniac over in Europe. But, yeah, somebody did 170 kilometers an hour. Wow. It's pretty fast. 170, that's pretty quick. Yeah. That's super fast. Really? Was it Vin, Vin Diesel? Oh, oh, he was in Halifax, by the way, apparently driving around in a limo. So I grew yeah. up, uh, I talk about this guy, I grew up in, in a really shoddy part of the UK, and... Um, be a Saturday morning and I'd be walking into the city center with my friends. We'd be about 15, 14, 15 years old and a limo would drive past us and all of my friends would go, oh my God, who'd movie star, who do you think's in that limo? I always thought I was more intelligent than my friends. I say, you understand that that's just driving to a wedding. Number one, that no A-listers are in a a little town in South Wales driving around Mm. and secondly, celebrities don't drive around in limos. You'd know. Yeah, I don't drive around in limo. No. So I know. 
drive on the Volkswagen, right? The Volkswagen Taos. Das Auto. Das Auto. Das Taos, Auto. Taos, whatever it's called. Um, yeah, no, I don't drive around in limos. But yeah, going back to the Scotia Speed World, uh, big screen, above average screen. I'm, I'm still excited. I mean, it's another cool thing that's coming to our province. I mean, that's the whole point of this podcast is to shed light on stuff like that. I think it's great. Wonderful addition for the yeah, summer. Wonderful yeah. addition. You know, the title of, you know, the largest East of Montreal, that's that's great. And you know what? I think it'll actually attract a lot of people. I think on a regular basis, driving by there, big nights, maybe opening nights for big movies. Um, I think there is some big ones coming out. So, uh, you know, it'll it'll be full. It'll be packed. And then they're, they're serving popcorn, serving pop, whatever. And, you know, teenagers will be drinking and stuff, which is, you know, frowned upon unless you're 19. Well, but no teenagers drink. Nobody has a drop of alcohol until they're 19. No. Goodness gracious, James. Yeah. Um, I think it's wonderful. It's going to get lo- local folks there employed as well, give some, some people some work for the summer. And I'm all for this, and, and I hope we all get a chance to experience it. Oh, uh, unbelievable. Well, before we go on too long on the tooth, as they say, let's move on to our next segment, the Reddit Roundup. Reddit Roundup. Haligonians losing their minds over minor inconveniences. I have a wonderful story about how that was produced, but I cannot tell it because this podcast can't be aired if I do. Oh. Ask, ask me in the elevator later. I will, or the stairwell. Um... Yeah. Okay. Well, James, you, you get us into the, you're the one that found this week's topic or month's topic. Uh, why don't you get right into it for us? Here yeah, right no, absolutely. Yeah. What we tend, what we like to do in this segment is talk about something that sent Reddit crazy in, in the last month. And you know, a lot of unreasonability takes place on Reddit, a lot of keyboard warriors out there. But I think this one was actually a pretty good community effort. We're talking about Bramble and Thorn, two guinea pigs <laughs> who were left, I call it in the wild, the wild of Octoloni Street. And I'll let you interpret that however you want to, a couple of weeks ago. And it, this thing ended up being in the news and then Reddit got a hold of it and as you know as soon as somebody tells the internet things blow up and wow did the community come out in force to find oh. two one and a half pound guinea pigs and it was a success they found the guinea pigs they did find the guinea pigs so apparently they were left to fend for themselves in downtown Dartmouth as I said near Octoloni Street um, group of about a dozen people spent a few days looking for them as did the local fire department and they were found, and they're safe, and they're with their new owners. So, if you ask me, Reddit did a lot of good on this occasion. It is incredible. I mean, you're the one, you you kind of provide a few of these comments here. They're they're pretty. Fu- some of them are pretty funny. I don't know if I'm gonna. Some of them could read uh, read some of them aloud. I was all for looking for the guinea pigs until I found out tax dollars were going on the search. So the tax dollars are referring to. To the fact that somebody suggested, where, what name is it on Reddit? Dado Natch suggested that the local fire department, Station 13, a few blocks away from where people were seeing them, might be able to assist in the search. They were specifically asking them if they had a thermal imaging camera. And then people lost their you-know-what because they Mm. didn't want their tax dollars paying for it. But hunky-dory... Hunky actually Dory. set them straight. Do you want to read Hunky Dory's comment there? They, they set these naysayers straight. Yeah, here it is. The firefighters are on call anyways, so they are getting paid for just sitting around if there are no active calls. So you aren't paying for anything extra. I live next to a fire station, and sometimes those guys are bored as heck. They wash their vehicles, gardening, mow the lawn every day, and most of them are genuinely willing to help. If a call came in, they definitely leave the pig searching. Let me just say a quick, quick thing here about uh, Hunky Dory's comment. Uh, it's a good point that, you know, whether or not they help with the guinea pig, wouldn't matter that either way they're getting paid. But the way he words it about firefighters sitting around, washing their vehicles and gardening and all that stuff, I, that's, I think that's kind of a bit inaccurate. They're there. They're ready to go. I have a few friends that are firefighters. They're there. They're ready to go at any moment to literally put their life on the line. I know that we're talking about guinea pigs. I'm going off a little bit. But something about Hunky Dory's comment, just about that, you know, they're – Although they may be waiting, they're waiting to go save a life. So at any given moment, they're not going to think twice about it. Actually, my, yeah, my challenge is for new combination 7012 who made that comment, right? Because they always say firefighters run out of the building. Sorry, firefighters run into the building that people like new combination 7012 have just run out of. So I would like to see new combination 7012 join these guys for a day and run into a burning building and then make comments about firefighters. Exactly. Give that a go and then decide to voice your opinion about that. Yeah. But uh, but I'm, I'm glad they were found. Um, I hear you have a bit of a 
story yourself about guinea pigs. I do. I had two male guinea male guinea pigs. My wife and I got when we were a lot younger. Mm-hmm. Popcorn and Mr. Fudge. Are the names? <laughs> Popcorn and Mr. Popcorn Fudge. Popcorn and Mr. Fudge. Nice. I think we'd had a few drinks when we named them. Mm. And they were two lovely little guys running around. Anyway, one day I look in the cage and I see a much smaller guinea pig. Small. Way tinier than Mr. Fudge and way tinier than Pancake and not really looking like any of them. Mm. So then I removed this thing in the cage and found a bunch of other guinea pigs. And of course, our two male guinea pigs had had sex because one was a female. Oh, one was female. One was female. We later found out and they birthed these babies. And they do this thing where the woman goes in, the woman, the the female, goes into heat as soon as she gives birth. Mm. And if you don't separate them, the male impregnates her again. Mm -hmm. So not only did we discover that we now had a bunch more guinea pigs than we thought we'd bought, but... Pancake, the now female, was pregnant again. So we had another litter Wait, of pancake. Guinea- I thought it was popcorn and Mr. Fudge. Oh, did I, no, it was pancake and Mr. Fudge. So who's popcorn? Popcorn is, oh, that that's, yeah, I can't tell you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell mm, you another time. Off the mic. Popcorn is a very special lady in my life. No. Oh, pancake, pancake, just the wrong, the wrong snack food, basically. Please forgive me. Yeah. But um, mm. Pancake was pregnant again, and we ended up having another litter, and, and we thought, we can't do this anymore. We clearly are not responsible. And uh, we found some lovely new families to give our little guinea pigs to. Oh. But in this case, everyone did a great job. The, the, the community came out in force. Reddit went crazy over multiple threads. Apparently, people were walking up and down Octoloni. There were, there were constant sightings for the few days they were missing. Everybody was updated live. There were guys with traps that had fruits, vegetables, and hay in them to try to, li- to lure them in. And it was a success. Wow. So Bramble and Thorn, officially named, welcome back to the community. Wow. Welcome back, Bramble and Thorne. We're, we're very happy to have you. Um, we'd like to get them on the podcast at some point. I hear they're a bit tricky to track down, but... Uh, Just got to put your hand in every bush in Dartmouth <laughs> until you find them. <laughs> what I was going to say was somebody did create a separate post at the end of all of this, and, and Higgledy, Higgledy Piggledy House in Bridgewater... Don't laugh. This is a serious... the name, Higgledy Piggledy Higgledy Piggledy House, which is the organization that initially spread the word on, online mm. about these guys, um, d- did put a post saying that they are looking for donations. I wanted to give these guys a quick uh, quick shout out. Their current needs list posted online. They're looking for cash donations for medical expenses. Um, they're also looking for urinary supplements and small treats for hand-feeding guinea pigs. So if anybody has anything they would like to donate, you can contact them at Higgledy Piggledy House. I'm not going to spell it at gmail.com or you can look them up on Facebook. But mm. they were so instrumental in the successful uh, location of Bramble and Thorn. And, you know, we've made light of the situation a little bit here. Uh, I wanted to just give those guys a shout out. And we will not mention the comments somebody posted about... Oh, I, I did see one. We're going to we're gonna keep that one out of there. I did, I did read one. Yeah. But, uh... but very good work on, on behalf of the community there. Yeah, and that terrific. is this month's Reddit Roundup. Yeah, terrific. That's a good one. It's, a, you know... At the whole point of this Reddit roundup is not necessarily to get get the arguments and the people in the Reddit uh, threads going after each other, but just about the weird and wacky stuff. And this is an example where everyone came together and to find uh, Greta and Bo- Greta Thorn, Greta and Born, Jason. She, Bourne. No, there's no environmental um, advocates here. You're, you're, uh, Bramble and Thorn. Bramble and Thorn. Oh my god. Pancake, popcorn, Bramble, Thorn, hand in a bush. But yeah, that was that's a good Reddit roundup topic. Um, well, that kind of takes us towards the end, but we do have one more little tidbit we want to bring up here we have two more little tidbits two we more. want to bring up two more so james I, I always does a confession this. Always does to it. to alec here um i have been pranking alec for the last four months and he might not be aware of it four. and i and i figured i would fess up on the podcast four months so for the last couple of months my wife and i have a standing coffee appointment every saturday morning at the mellow mug and for the last four months, every oh single time. Oh my God. <laughs> are you still getting them? Yes. Every, every single time I have paid the Mellow Mug, which I must say, big shout out to the Mellow Mug. If you guys haven't been in Bedford, it, she's now texting Jenna to tell oh, him. I'm looking at the Mellow Mug text. Um, it is the best place, in my opinion, HRM for coffee. Fresh baked goods, lovely staff. We, we love it. There's always seating available, just unfussy coffee. We have been going there the last couple of months typically twice a week, and every single time when I get an option to to text a receipt, I have been texting my receipts to Alec. Man, 
I brought this up to you. I've been getting these texts every Saturday, Sunday, <laughs> whenever. View your receipt from the Mellow Mug. And then I click on it, and it comes. It brings me to a Visa card or something. And I'm like, I'm not a Visa card. Am I getting charged? It's $16, $20, $8, whatever it is. I actually texted the number back one day. I said, this is not me. <laughs> and then when I texted, this is not me, look, Saturday, 11 a.m., this Saturday, view your receipt from the Mellow Mug. And I, I Googled the Mellow Mug. I didn't even know if it was a real thing, and now I know it's real. I actually mentioned to you, you're like, oh, man, uh, someone must be pulling your leg or something. They're the wrong You number. did mention it. One day I actually had my Mellow Mug loyalty card out in the car, and I was driving Alex somewhere, and he said, oh, is that the Mellow Mug? I'm getting receipts from them, and I started to sweat. Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah, I don't know what that's all about, yeah, buddy. I'm not sure. Wow, you're, you're good. You're good. I got to get you back for that one. I won't do something similar. I, I can't copy you, but that was good. I've been getting, you're, you're going to continue doing this? No, we're no, now done. You, my goal you. was you would shut your bank account down. Yeah, well, I did. And I've been just, you know, having a tough time lately because of the mellow mug. And my wife, who's got a big, much bigger moral compass than me every week, says, come on, James, it's time to stop it now. And I even know his number, 902-789-2477. I've put it in that many times. And I don't mind him mentioning that on the podcast because in our profession, our cell phone numbers are plastered over the city. And If you need online. real estate needs, are you in Halifax? Call out at Cranston, 902-789-2477. So I'm sorry that I've been, I've been texting you no, about 100 that's, receipts. That's a great, you know, I wish, he, James has done a couple pranks to me, I'm going to be honest, and uh, this is up there with them. His number one prank was on April Fools. We can't talk about it on here, but we will one day. We'll find a way to, to weasel it in and discuss. Have to cut half of the story out. Half it the is story not out, but it was it was all time. Um, Okay, so to wrap up, Alec and I just wanted to mention a wonderful night that we had together, unrelated to <laughs> what the a way of start unrelated to we had a terrific to the night together. Um, Alec and I, a couple of weeks ago, very kindly uh, to Bill McAvoy, our managing director and managing broker at Cushman Wakefield Atlantic, who sponsored a table at the Arthritis Society charity dinner uh, for the Celebrity Roast, which yep. this year was uh, Jim and Don Mills, yep. who are very well-known brothers in the community. This was an event that was planned before COVID and was delayed and put off multiple times. And Alec and I went. And it was the first time Alec and I had been to a charity dinner together. We had a lot of fun, didn't we? Oh, it was a ton of fun. And uh, how many were at our table? Eight, because you had Bill and his wife, Melissa and her husband, you and Jen, and me and Jenna. We had a terrific time. Lots of laughs. Um, some great roasters, uh, roasties, roasters, great roasters. Um, dinner was great. And uh, Mike Savage, he brought the host down at the he end. He was, uh, that He's guy, so they, they made the comment there that, that Savage needs to get a spot at Yuck Yucks. And I, oh. I actually, you know, people say that to be endearing. I know, I, I would genuinely go. think he needs to do stand-up. And I was thinking yeah. that that we need to rally maybe even on Reddit. Oh, there's a massive tanker, sh- uh, nice massive Whoa. cargo ship coming in. Look at that, wow. Oh, jeez, um, that, that is one. huge. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. That, that's what everyone says when they yeah. see me gush. <laughs> that um, I'm, I think we should rally together to get Mike Savage to do a charity stand-up comedy That'd be, set because oh, he, he could actually nail it. Oh, it'd be terrific. He, his humor, and he, like, I love how he just, he throws out the book about what a politician should sound like and how they should talk, and that's why we love him. That's why Halifax loves him. Um, we'll get him on the podcast at some point. Oh, you're taking a picture of that big ship? I'm taking a picture of that great big yeah. pink thing. It's yeah, the ship. Great, great big. <laughs> you know, and, and it's funny because... I have a couple of friends like this. It's like, what I say isn't inappropriate, but I know where your mind goes. I was talking about the cargo ship, but I mean, the reason we wanted to discuss the charity dinner was Alec and I got into separate bidding wars. Alec- Silent auction. So much more than me. There was a silent auction there. Of yeah. course, all funds were going to the Arthritis Society mm-hmm. who were doing a ton of great work, not just in, in Canada, but around the, the country and, yep. and the wider efforts around the world. Um, but we bid on some pretty unique things, and, and Alec had the really cool ones. T- tell us what you bid on. Yeah, so I took a look through the, the list of bidding items, and some of them were a bit, you know, uh, you know, whatever, this, this, and that. But then I saw Dr. Strang's tie. That 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 stuck out to me, and no one had bid on it yet. So I said, all right, here we go, whatever, $15. And then they give you a text every time someone outbids you, and then I got the text right away, $20. So I go 25 30 35 I'm going back and forth with some guy across the whole the whole and it was a big event. There was, was a big event. Six hundred right? people. So I, I was like, "Who am I going against here? What's this tie going to go to? Am I, am I going against Jim Spatz, who's going to pay three thousand dollars for this tie and walk away with it? I didn't know what was going to happen, but I wanted that tie. I didn't. The one error I didn't look at it beforehand, so I didn't know what it looked like. But I was bidding on it, and I knew he signed. And it was a signed tie, right? Signed tie by Doctor Strang himself. So I, I was, um, you know, I was going for it, going hard for it. At one point, Jenna goes, "You're not going to win that. You won't. You won't outbid whoever that is." And that's when I said. 
Yes, I will. I don't care how much. She I have to committed pay. you. Yeah. At that point, it's like when yeah. someone tells you you can't do something. Reverse psychology, right? what she did there by mistake. She, reversed, she just wanted she the reverse tie. psychology yeah. herself. She wanted the tie and she wanted you to she, bid for it. Exactly. It's a romantic gesture. Every woman dreams that their their spouse or their boyfriend will give them Robert Strang's tie. Exactly. And so I I end up winning the tie. I spent, uh, well, I'll disclose whatever, $120 on Thousand? Oh, oh no, no, no. I took a zero off. Uh, $120 on this tie. It was great to get the win. Uh, you know, I was, the other guy did bid me up with five minutes left and then I waited till 8.59 because it ended at 9 p.m. to put my final bid in. So got the tie, um, collected it at the end of the night. Was Mickey Mouse tie nonetheless. Mickey Mouse tie, red and brown. But you know what I loved? This was, this was what made it all the worthwhile for me was when you picked the tie up, we went to collect it. I, of course, had to see this. It was in a very sober state at the time. And there was actual like crinkles in the tie yeah. from where Robert Strang had tied the knot. And this to me made it not just, what'd you pay, 130 bucks? 120. 120. This made it more like a $130 tie to me. It was add the $10. Is the fact that he had worn it. Yeah, probably during, you know what? I, I did Google Dr. Strang press conference and try to look through all Don't tell press. me you watched hundreds of hours of footage to no, see no, if he'd no, worn the tie. Thousands of hours. But I looked at a lot of photos and I couldn't find anywhere he wore that tie. So it might have been a tie he just wore to work or a tie he wore at home. I don't know, whatever he did. Um, I mean, he's been instrumental. I, I, I've always said about Dr. Strang that, you know, somebody said, hey, do you want to, uh, you want to apply to become chief medical officer? Oh, it's kind of a good job. You get paid well. You do a couple of anti, mm-hmm. anti-smoking anti school initiative campaigns and this kind. You do a short term. And then he takes this job on and this pandemic mm-hmm. hits. And I know that not everybody's agreed with everything he said. And a lot of people have found it's been overly political. But you have to give it to the guy to step into that role. I'm not saying it's an easy job if there's no pandemic. But to step into that kind of public service role and have something like the pandemic hit. Yep. That guy has put up with a lot and I think has, has done very well. Oh, absolutely. So I think, you know, even though I got a little, some chirps from about that tie at the end of the night um, for what it looked like and whatnot, you know, an autographed Dr. Strang, I'll hold on to that and I'll probably wear it. I mean, whatever. I'll wear it sometime. I, if When we start doing video at some point, hopefully I'll, I'll wear it on the podcast. So the next pandemic, see. you can fashion it into a... Mask. A mask. Yeah. But actually, thinking of fashioning things, I know a guy who fashioned a pant leg once into a hat to keep the sun off him. This, th- There is only <laughs> one one charity initiative, goodwill initiative in my yeah. opinion, that trumps everything that the Arthritis Society has done, and that would be this. Oh, yeah. oh, this isn't Queen. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mr. Scott, what you gonna do? What you gonna do? Make our dreams come true. Oh, there we go. Michael Scott and Scott Tots. That is the most awkward scene of the most awkward episode. It makes me cringe, that episode. I still got to watch it because I'm a big Office fan. But uh, I was saying to you before the podcast, my favorite favorite, uh, part of that show is when he has to get up there and say, I'm not sending you to college. And he goes, but you know what's better than, what what can get you the education? What's better than education? Laptops, MacBooks or whatever. And they're all like, ooh. And he's like, and you can't have laptops goes, without batteries. And everyone's like, oh. And he goes, wait, 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 wait. They're lithium. And that was one of my favorite lines in the office when he says that. Um, that justifies it. And, you know, that, that gets, like, he gets there and they've set up the Michael Gary Scott reading room in his honor. And then, then when the kids do the song, it's bad enough. And then the kid at the front starts doing the break dancing and the backflips. Yeah. Anyway, cr- cringy it's as a, heck. It's a great, uh, you know, like you said, relation to charity. I mean, you did forget one major charity from uh, from the office. The Michael Scott's Dunder Mifflin Scranton Meredith Palmer Memorial Celebrity Rabies Awareness Pro-Am Fun run race for the cure. For the cure, for as the, the voicemail says. What was it? Eight hundred dollars donated to a local nurse stripper or something like that. Yeah, and then 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 Pam says he says I want one of those big checks, and then Pam says, well, the big check costs four hundred dollars, <laughs> and then he calculates in his head, and he's like, okay, that's what we have to do. <laughs> uh, but in seriousness, the arthritis dinner was a great night. Uh, I didn't bid on something uh, Yeah, not as not as good as you. you I decided, won a night of passion, didn't you? I won a night of passion. I bid on a night at the Alt Hotel, the airport hotel, which mm. is a nine minute drive from where. I live. I ended up winning it. So it's my 10 year wedding anniversary this year. And, and uh, she knows Whoa. it's tongue in cheek, but I have told my wife that we're going to celebrate it. We're going to go to the airport. We're going to park in the multi-story. We're going to go to A&W for a romantic nice. candlelit dinner in the A&W there in the atrium. Uh. And then we're going to go in and I mean, throes of passion and whatever happens next, we'll leave it to the universe in the alt hotel. 
Yacht Hotel, man. In, in, um... In reality, we're probably just going to wait till we have one of those god-awful early flights on a vacation next year and just opt to stay there and be close to checking. That's perfect. I mean, although if you do choose to use that as your 10-year anniversary celebration spot, I mean, that's pretty high class. I mean, I would think I would probably go with the Quality Inn. Um, you, you stay one night there, you get two, two weeks of free parking. You do, and I have used that. The issue is if, if I... Well, the, the positive is if I do that for my 10-year wedding anniversary celebration, it's good because I'll already be at the airport because my wife will be kicking me back to the UK. Yeah. You'll be gone. I'll be gone. Yeah. So that was, I think we had a good episode. Do you want to borrow borrow my tie for that or for your stay at the Alt Hotel? (laughs) To do what with it? I don't know. You want to borrow it? Wear it? I don't know. You can wear it. You want me to go further with this. That's why you're (laughs) not saying anything. I'm not saying You want me to go further. You and your dirty mind, Alec Cranston. Oh, come on. Well, we're near the end of our time here. That was a really good podcast. Episode three of Matter of Facts. I was saying to James and Mark beforehand that it feels like, uh, oh, first of all, Regrets to Dylan. Dylan could not be here oh, today. Oh, the god of marketing. The god of marketing has COVID. He could not be here today. Let's give him uh, a round of applause. Round of applause anyway. to Dylan. Couldn't, couldn't be here. Sorry, Dylan. We he's didn't got him here. COVID. No, of course we did. I got COVID. I can't come. I'm sorry. Actually, he's uh, yeah, he's second round of COVID. Alex had second rounds of COVID in, in his household. We, yeah. I'm feeling left out now. Yeah, just, you just gotta go get it. Go after the COVID. Don't let the COVID come to you. You go get that COVID. You own that COVID. You own that COVID. But yeah, great episode. Laura was amazing. Um, a couple funny topics. And uh Already looking forward to the next episode. Feels like we've been doing this for a while. Only three episodes in. Uh, like, follow, subscribe, all that stuff on all the platform, whatever platform you use, Spotify, Apple, whatever else is out there and it's on. Um, what's our email again? Halifax. Halifaxpodcast at gmail.com. gmail.com. And you can look up James Collins, Alec Cranston on, just Google our names. You'll find a lot of information on us if you want to A whole heck of stuff of you don't want to find. Stack of us. Yeah, don't sure. hit the news button and don't hit the images button. Just stick to the main web pages. Um, but yeah, any questions, concerns, uh, things you want us to talk about on the podcast, or maybe you're somebody that wants to come on as a guest, uh, and you like what we have to offer as far as a platform and, uh, we'd be happy to hear what you have to say and maybe get you on for a conversation. I think we like to try to balance out the serious and the tongue in cheek here as well. We want to make this something that's good to listen to and fun to listen to and inappropriate in all the right places, but then also bring on the guests and and give them the seriousness that they... (laughs) Alec Cranston, you make that face at me again. And, oh, well, geez. you won't want to know what happens next. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, right. that was episode three of Matter yeah. of Facts. Thank you guys. Hope you have a wonderful July. We will be back in August. Alec and I each have some travel to complete in the meantime. Yeah. And we'll try and cobble an episode together the next couple of weeks. It'll be fun. I hope everybody enjoyed their Canada Day. That actually happened this time. Yeah. Enjoy. Or I hope you enjoyed. Thank you. Signing off.